All right, here we are in week number four of You in Five Years. And here it is, the last Sunday of January already. That means you only have 59 months left. All right, so I hope you've been listening well and beginning to practice some of the things that we've been talking about. We are in a topic today that I'm going to call from evening to morning. Here's a little review just in case today's the first day for you. Here's where we've been. In part one, we asked the question, who? And of course, you in five years is the who we've been talking about, but you can't do you the way we've been talking about unless you allow God to be the who for you. I didn't rehearse that or anything. (laughs) I'd just been reading a lot of Dr. Seuss. But anyway, in part two, the question was why? And Psalm 1 talks about delight in the Lord. Why? He's where the joy is found in your story. And not only in your story, it's joy in the journey, but it's also joy in the destination. If that's not a great why, I don't know why. All right, so that's part two. Part three, we were looking at the how, and how are we going to get there in five years? And that was, well, little step by little step is how, and with God's help. All right, so you're all caught up, just in case this is your first day. Um, There was more to it than that, but that gives you a little bit of the idea. Today's question is when. When. So I'll start with this quote on the screen. When are we going to find time to make life-changing, disciplined habits possible? And when you put those words together, life-changing, disciplined habits, that when, when question seems kind of overwhelming. When can I fit that in? So to answer that, what I want to first do is talk about the habit cycle. And then we're going to start at the beginning. Hope you're ready for this because we're going to start at Genesis, the first page, okay? But before we get there, um, let's talk about the habit cycle. On the screen, to insert a new habit, you need to establish a habit cycle. That includes three things, a cue, a routine, and a reward. Let's see if you were listening. There's three things. Ready? A cue. And a reward. Those three things are what you need to get this when established. Let's talk about that a little bit. The cue. The cue is the trigger. It's the signal. It's the starting point of this new habit. And so you need to establish a cue so that you always do the same when and that you'll remember to get this new thing going when you decide it is. But Here's how it works. For example, let's just say that you want to do more reading like we talked about in week one, where you want to read more books per year and you then break that down into its small parts. But you got to figure out when you're going to do this. And so you set the cue. I'm going to do it immediately after finishing dinner or whatever your cue is. And so that if you do this regularly, pretty soon that cue is a remembering cue to get you triggered into and start the process, okay? So you need a cue to get going with this new routine. Which brings us to the routine. 
The routine is the behavior or the action that you want to turn into a habit. So here's what you do. You've got to clearly define the routine you want to establish. You make it specific and actionable. So it's, you say, after finishing dinner, there's your cue, I will read for 30 minutes. Make it real clear. And then you'll establish the habit, and then you do what you do and make it every day. And then you will hit that mark that you're trying to get to, not just at the end of five years, how many books you're going to, you're going to create uh, a reason why and the rewards that go with that and remind yourself of that, which leads us to the reward, okay? The reward is a positive outcome or feeling that is associated with completing your routine. Now, it reinforces the habit loop. Now, some of that positive reward hopefully is built into the fact that this routine is carefully chosen for you that you really want this because, and you've kind of thought this through, and so the reward is starting to build in that direction, and you're going to start to see some joy in it, but don't expect too much too fast if it's a new habit. You've got to wait for that joy to start settling in because it's like watching you grow as you uh, grow up. You know, you establish this line with a kid, and every year you mark a little line. It's, you can't really feel yourself grow or see yourself grow until you see the measurements and the line a little further down the road, and you go, oh, man, I'm really growing. And so give yourself some space so that you can exceed that reward. Now, how do you give yourself some space and still have a reward? Well, sometimes you can tie it to something else. After the 30 minutes of reading, I'm going to reward myself with whatever that is. And that's what you're going to do to keep yourself going until it starts to be more intrinsic instead of this external reward. So keep the cue, the routine, and the reward going to create that habit cycle. Now, why go to such effort to create a habit cycle. Now, if you'll flip your outline over if you're using a paper outline, or go to the bottom of your outline if you're using our YouVersion events outline that's on the phone, um, there is question number five on the group side of the talk it over section. It reads this way, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. What is one positive behavior you do occasionally that you'd like to do more consistently? Now, did you notice we tied reward right into the statement? Occasionally, you like to pray. Occasionally, you like to read the Bible. Occasionally, you like to do this thing that you know is really good for you, work out, or whatever it is. Successful people are those people that move from occasionally when they feel like it to consistently whether they feel like it or not because they've established a routine. And as you get going with it, pretty soon they actually enjoy it and look forward to it, and it pulls them for, to that most of the time. Not every time, okay? And we're talking about what successful people do. At this point, I just want to say, as a reminder, I mentioned this last week, that not all habits are equally important. So choose your habits well. And last week I introduced the concept of keystone habits. 
Keystone habits, and I showed you the arch. The keystone is that top center stone that's because of its angle. The rest of it is held up artificially until the keystone is placed, and then the keystone actually is the reason why it all holds into place. So the Bible reading habit, the time with God habit, the prayer habit, these are keystone habits according to Jesus, according to God. If you have this keystone habit in place, the cool thing about a keystone habit is it carries many, many other habits. In fact, every habit you're hoping to be successful in, you need the keystone habit in place because now God is helping you in all these other areas as well. Get this one down and the other ones are easier. And you can start learning from this habit and then growing into the other habits. And it's like, whoa, this is a real change and it's making a big difference for me. So there's that reminder. So when we talk about the when, we need to ask you again, when are you going to make time for your new routine? That's the question of the day. Now I mentioned we're going to take a look at Genesis 1. I'm really excited about this. I've never discovered this before, unless I'm just getting old and I don't remember it. Um, I've never seen this before, and I'm really excited in the things that, the insights that are related to this, and I'm only going to touch the tip of the iceberg on the insights related to this concept that we're going to look at about evening and morning, okay? So to do that, we're going to jump into the first page of Genesis. But I'm hoping my excitement is exciting to you too. So do you want to hear more? All right, here we go. Genesis 1. We could start at verse 1, but we're skipping that one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're going to skip that one. And go to verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Ta-da! <laughs> now, aren't you like super excited about that? Well, I've read that, and I've read that, and I've read that, and I've read that, and just went, Wah. you know, so often it's like, what's the deal with that? So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions to get you thinking a little bit with me because it's really an odd expression. Then there was evening and then morning of the first day. Which is a pattern, by the way, from this point forward, each of the days of creation, all six days, they say exactly the same thing, and then it was evening, and then morning the second day, and then it was evening, and then morning the third day, and then the pattern is broken because it's not said this way about day seven. Whoa. I see the wheels churning now. Not much. Anyway. Question, when does your day begin? Do, 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 do. All right? According to this, it's like, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. When does your day begin? Does it begin in the morning, or does it begin in the evening? Okay, just for your information, 
Jewish people of the Bible, they reckoned their day, figured out the hours of their day starting in the evening. They would do Sabbath, for example, from sundown Friday night through sundown Saturday. So you're beginning evening and going through the night to the evening of Saturday, their Sabbath. So their day begins in the evening. Huh. So why do they do that? Here's another way to put that same question. Why does Genesis use this phrase, and there was evening and there was morning, the first day? I can tell you honestly, my day does not start with evening. My day starts with coffee. (laughs) And I don't do coffee in the evening. I have enough trouble sleeping. All right? My day starts with coffee in the morning, and so... We need to kind of figure this stuff out because we don't think like this, and we got to see why does Genesis use this phrase. Now, the answer to the question, why? On that first day, everything started with darkness. Ding, 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 ding. That's right. Started with darkness. Let's back up. Take a look there. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So the light was good. Separated the light from darkness. Called the light day and darkness. He called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Why? Because the first day started with darkness. Okay? I can tell you we're starting to warm up and get really excited about this. (laughs) I'm I'm really hoping this will just kind of keep growing and growing as you think these things through because it started growing and growing in me. It's like, are you kidding me? Because there really is this pattern that God utilized that we need to utilize the same pattern God utilized for our lives because guess what? God knew this was going to be the case. Because of the first pair's error, Adam and Eve, are we born into darkness or are we born into light? We're born into darkness. Now, our world doesn't think this way. Our world thinks that infants are born as clean slates and they have no darkness, so they're born with light and we're the ones that muddy them up. I tell you what, I never experienced ever training my children to lie. They learned that on their own. They began to lie on their own by themselves. I never trained that. Because all of us are born with a sin nature, and our life is starting with a sin nature in darkness. God knows that ahead of time when he created everything out of the darkness. In fact, how weird it is that there's chaos over the waters, which from a Jewish perspective is this uncharted chaos and the spirit is hovering over this chaos and this disorder and this darkness and now the spirit through God and Jesus Christ was there. Read the New Testament. He's there at creation. He's the communication of God. He speaks it into existence. He brings order out of this chaos on day one. But not total order. There's five more days of creation to go. 
So he brings from the darkness more order, night and day and light, and then he brings more order. And I could, I could spend hours just talking about the order he brings, day one, two, and three, corresponding with four, five, and six, and how the sun is not even created until the corresponding day four. Ooh, how does that work? Another sermon, all right? So I just need to ask you some key timing questions. What time block of your day provides the most discretionary time? I'll make it easy for you. It's just going to be a multiple toys multiple <laughs> test with two options, option A, option B. Option A is which time frame? From morning to evening, do you have more discretionary time from morning to evening, or do you have more discretionary time from evening till morning? Here's how my thinking went. Well, if you're taking those time blocks, man, so much of the from evening to morning is taken up with sleep, I would expect that there's more discretionary time from morning to evening, because I'm awake the whole time, okay? But I want you to consider a different perspective. I want you to consider the perspective that, no, we have far more discretionary time from evening to morning, and here's why, if you're the typical person. It's based on our work week. It's based on our work week. So from... Evening to morning is off work hours, typically, right? And from morning to evening is work hours, typically, right? Now tell me, how much discretionary time do you have? Discretionary time is a time that you have control over, that you can choose to do what you want to do because it's your time. How much time do you really have from morning till evening where you can pick and choose how to arrange your day and when you're going to insert new habits and do this and that during your work day? Now, it's hard enough that your job is demanding this and this and this and this and this. You're like a slave to your job or even your employer, depending on your job, right? But you've got to add a whole bunch more to that than just this and this and this and this and this. Put it this way. If you're Got kids, you got to get kids to and from school and their activities and sports and dance and music lessons and taekwondo, and that's just Tuesday, <laughs> practically, right? So that's a work day. How much discretionary time is there in that day from morning till evening? Besides all of that, you got the doctor's appointment, you got to get your car in to be checked on something, you got to get to the post office. You got to go to DMV. You got all kinds of this other stuff that only happens during your daytime hours. You got to shove that in there too somehow. How much discretionary time is left from morning till evening? If you're like me, morning to evening is like booked. And you're busy trying to fit something into that time frame all the time, right? Very little discretionary time fits there. So the daytime block from morning to evening is slammed. How many of you that's true? Okay. I think it's more true now than it's ever been. So slammed. People are almost overcommitted. They go edge to edge, margin to margin. It's bleeding over all the way from darkness to darkness, right? Filled up with stuff that is 
causing them to be passive about their life. They can't really discretionary time shape it and move it and change it the way they want. It's all happening to them. What do you do with that? How do you fit a new habit in to change your life from here to 59 months from now? Right? That's what we're talking about. So let's think about this. I think that the discretionary time, the optimum time for inserting that important life-shaping habit is from evening till morning. When? That's what we're talking about today. From evening to morning is where your most of your discretionary time is spent. You ready for point number one? Point number one, make the most of your discretionary time. Make the most of your discretionary time. Quote on the screen. When are we going to find time to make changes during our discretionary time from evening to morning? That's why we titled this message from evening to morning. All right, let's pray and go home. Just kidding. Um, Why is that? That's where we have to focus the habits that shape us. It's got to be before work and after work. Clear? Before work and after work. Now, all your work schedule is different. I realize that. But you need to think in terms of when am I going to do this? Before work or after work? It's the most powerful portion of our lives to initiate the greatest amount of positive personal change, before work or after work. Most of us don't think like that. Here's the problem. From evening to morning, before and after work, is also often the most neglected time of our lives. It is often the most selfish time of our lives. It is often the most wasted time of our lives. Let's be honest. How many of you agree with that? Neglected, wasted time of our life. And I get it. We're tired. Work was hard. We just want to waste it away in just a little bit of life for me. And we want to do this easy stuff, the stuff that makes me feel good, and et cetera, et cetera. So, but this is a problem as it relates to shaping your life because now you're letting life happen to you and you're not really shaping it, okay? And so we've got to figure out how to make something change, You have to ask yourself, is evening to morning time, the way I'm spending it now, helping me or harming me? (laughs) I bet you you weren't asking yourself that question. (laughs) We we don't want to ask that question. Is this helping me or harming me, the way I spend my before work hours and the way I'm spending my after work hours? These choices I'm making, is it helping me or harming me? We don't, we've never really thought about that, but I want you to think about that. Now, I also want to just include a, a thought-provoking statement 
Remember that saying yes to something in a time block means saying no to something else that could be better in that same time block. Or saying yes to something in that time block could be saying no to something worse in that time block. This time block and the choices we're making in this discretionary time block has incredible potential to harm your life or help your life. The question is, what are you doing with it? And what's your plan? That's what we're talking about. So let's limit it all down to just a few short hours, really. What are you doing with that discretionary time that you have before work and after work? That's what we're talking about. So point number one is make the most of your discretionary time. Point number two is get sleep. I don't want to neglect that. Here's what they say in the studies. I just picked one study, one statement. Studies have conclusively linked sleeplessness to irritability, anger, depression, and mental exhaustion. Sarah Mednick, professor of psychology. How many of you believe that? Okay. We're not doing well if we're not getting enough sleep. So why is it so hard to get enough sleep? Honesty time. I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm struggling with this. Honesty time. How many of you are struggling with this? Okay, so a number of you are struggling with this. What do we do with that? Why is this so hard? The answer to why is this so hard, I'll just use two words. First word. No, no. (laughs) First word is the word stress. Stress. It's really hard to get good sleep when we load ourselves up with stress. And stress, and here coming from a preacher, comes from I'm not, I have things a little bit out of order. And when things are out of order, like I think I'm in control, I make things happen, I'm in charge of outcomes. Hello, that's a lack of trust in the God who's in charge of outcomes. It's taking too much on myself rather than just do all the right things for the right reasons, let the outcomes be God and just trust him for it. I'm struggling with some trust issues here, and so sleeplessness gets in there. Honesty, okay? That's word number one. By the way, I'm in good company. 2 Corinthians 11.27 says Paul struggled with this too. He had many sleepless nights. In fact, there's many, many verses about ministry stress, and there's many, many verses throughout the Bible about watches in the night. And um, so I feel like I'm not alone in this, and there are times when the watches in the night that I experience, God uses mightily. Okay, so just something there. So that was word number one. The second word is electricity. Electricity has changed everything. Before Thomas Edison gave us the electric light bulb in 1879, people were averaging 10 hours of sleep a night. I think I was born at the wrong time. (laughs) 10 hours of sleep a night. American adults now average, now think average, because that means there are people who sleep a lot more than this, and people who sleep a lot less than this. The average adult in America sleeps six hours and 51 minutes, okay? 
So that's a lot of time difference since the introdu introduction of electricity. Now, it isn't just a light bulb. There's more to it than that. There's electricity, there's internet, there's social media, there's streaming on demand. There's all kinds of stuff that goes with all of that. Now, so this trend towards sleeping less, we might think we've evolved and become better. We don't need as much now. We can accomplish more. That's not what the science is saying. The science is saying you're having worse efforts, your productivity is dropping, your relationship uh, skills are dropping, your relationships are not as happy in the state that you have created for yourself and you need to do something about it. So just in case you're thinking that this is better, I can get so much more done with less sleep, warning, warning. Okay? That's not true. So, people used to eat and talk and enjoy life together around the table. Then they'd move to the living room by the fireplace and tell stories and read and laugh. And then they went to bed. They went way, to bed way earlier than we do. And to some people, that lifestyle compared to our lifestyle and our choices for after work sounds crazy. I'm going to ask you, who's crazy? Okay? Because before you dismiss that as crazy, going to bed that early, as unrealistic, old-fashioned, backward, just ask yourself these questions. Whose relationships were better? Whose marriages were stronger? Whose character values were more easily transferred to their children? And where are children being shaped now, if not around the table in the fireplace? Right? We have some thinking to do. So point number one, make the most of your discretionary time. And point number two, get sleep. Then point number three, then go deep. Hey, those three are easy. Let's say it together. Ready? Make the most of your discretionary time. I'm by myself here. Let's try again. <laughs> number one, make the most of your discretionary time. Number two, get sleep. Then go deep. Okay, when you steal from the night and you sleep, uh, you, you end up staying up too much longer than you should. You're stealing from your think deep focus time. It may not be the morning think deep focus time only that you're stealing from. Your productivity and ability to think deeply has been affected by the fact that you have stolen the night before. Now, if you're really trying to do something with the morning hours, which are, in, they are my think deep time. They are my, they're packed with this potential of thinking more deeply than any other time in my day that I leverage that, okay? And anything good practically that comes my direction that I share with you is almost always in that morning time. If I steal from the night before, I'm robbing you of anything that God could really bring to me. And the scripture talks about how he does that. He's involved with my thought processes. He's involved with your thought processes. You have a relationship with God and you can think more deeply if you'll make room for that. This focus time with you and God. Okay? So we've got to figure out how to go deep. Ah, I have a note. Skip, 
<laughs> and I do need to skip. Uh, we're skipping forward and you don't know what you're missing. All right. What are you going to fill your time with from the time you wake up till you are at work? That's my deep focus time. What are you going to fill your time with from the time you leave work and after dinner? What is your plan to focus and go deep? Flip to the talk it over section on the paper or down to the bottom of your outline and there is number seven that reads this way, how does understanding the habit cycle help? Your cue, your routine, your reward. What will be the cue for your new routine? How can you make your new routine more obvious and easy? After I blank, that's your cue, I will blank, that's your routine. I want you to pray about that. I want you to think about that and take control of your life. With this built-in habit of discipline, I want you to pray about if you don't already have a habit of time with God in God's word and in prayer to start to build that out. I want you to think also in terms of habit stacking. You can get this one cue to now do three or four things if you work it right. So one habit will cue another, cue another, because the first cue cued the first. Just a glimpse into the weird and strange life of Jim Hammond in the morning, okay? I wake up in the morning, the first cue that I'm looking for is my coffee, okay? That's my cue. Take care of my dog. Get back to my spot with my coffee. I have my time with God there. It's Bible reading first. Then I have a plan for that. As soon as that plan is done with a limited time slot, it will, I have it stack. On top of that plan is my Bible memory work plan. I stack that on top of my reading plan. As soon as I'm done with that, if there's time before my normal departure time to walk and be with God and pray, take it to the prayer level, if there's time, I insert reading, devotional reading that I have a plan for after that. So these three habits are stacked on top of coffee. <laughs> All I need is one cue. And I just have it stack. And then my morning is filled with this habit and this habit and this habit that just help my life to go together really helpfully for the whole day. Now, make your habits, start with an initial one, something's doable, little, then add another one once you get the first one going, then add another one if you, get, if you got time and get that going. You get the, if you don't got time out also, okay? Just get it started and see how rewarding it will be and it gets rewarding quickly. Aren't you glad you came today? I hope that you are encouraged. A couple of things before we go. If you're new, we hope you'll fill out a Connect card and take it to the information table. We have a gift for you. If you are new and you have a prayer need, you can fill out this prayer card and drop it in the giving box. We pray for these uh, starting tomorrow, okay? So also, prayer team, would you take your place? And if you need prayer right now, and it's whatever it might be, the prayer team is ready to pray for you right now. Speaking of prayer, let's go to God. Father God, thank you for giving us so much, even a pattern to follow, that we need to think through what we're doing in the morning and the evening. We need to add things to our evening that prep us well for the morning. We need to make sure that we're making decisions that build a life 
that pleases you. And you're going to help us that we might delight in you and delight in our journey and delight in our destination. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.